0: So, come on you vixens, big game ahead. How are you feeling? Terrible. You? Uh... well, just, you know, I've been better, had better days, seen better days, definitely. Yeah, no, not very, not fantastically well today. How, um, about, how about you, Shahan?
1: Well, I'm glad that the club have managed to keep consistent with the stats that every home game of twice Park this season has resulted in four goals, either a 4 nil w- result or a 2 wall draw. We just can't seem to es- escape that fact in 2020, I'm hoping for 2021... There could be a 3 1 potentially or a 4 nil in the other opposite direction, you don't know. So,
2: well, we beat London Bees 4 0, didn't we? I yes, we did. Oh, yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's just doesn't matter what happens, really, but there must be four goals.
1: Welcome to episode 12 of the Bristol City Vixen Cast, a podcast all about Bristol City women who currently play in the FA Women's Super League. My name is Shahan Mir, and I'm joined here with my co hosts.
2: DM with us. And Nat Brown. We are here. Yeah and I like how you said currently there Shahan. That was uh, that was very subtle but I noticed. Uh, yeah how long do we think that'll last? I mean when what's relegation day? When is it? April? May? I don't know. March? When I'm... does the season end? I don't even know.
1: Well unless there's another pandemic that comes in 2021. Hopefully not. Uh, yeah the season is due to end in April May twenty twenty one. For those of you who haven't listened to the show before, uh, if you like, oh, don't forget to like us, rate us, review us, uh, follow us on Twitter at bcvixencast.
2: Pity us. <laughs> <laughs> Is there that feature? Yeah, pity okay, the pity, pity feature. Yeah. yeah.
1: And because we still can't meet up to record this episode in person, I am here at my home, doing this over Zoom with DM and Nat from their home.
0: In the comfort of our own home, yeah. and not in the, the the dreary, kind of eerie rain that was just the, the the soundtrack to that match today. That that horrible desolate sound of the rain battering against. the... I think there
2: was an an open like gutter pipe. I don't think that was the actual sound of the rain. I think they were just they put the they put that next to a just a big dribble at Twerton Park. <laughs>
1: At least the game still managed to go ahead today because there were various cancellations across uh, all the leagues today, Uh, primarily Birmingham against Everton, which had to be postponed due to a waterlogged pitch.
0: So in this episode, we're going to be discussing two Bristol home defeats the 4-0 defeat against Aston Villa on Wednesday. Uh, We won't be talking too much about that because that was, I thought, really depressing and like so depressing that we were going to do an episode about it. But actually I just thought I cannot, I literally cannot talk about this. I don't want to listen to myself talking about it. Because it was just, it was horrible. It was a horrible match. I think primarily because I had a bit of hope going into it. I was thinking about this that it is the hope that kills you with football, isn't it? That's why it can be so painful.
2: Yeah, it was significantly significantly worse than playing like Arsenal or Man City, wasn't it? It, it felt an awful lot worse. So yeah, it is it's the hope that kills you. You're right.
0: How did you feel about that match, Jan?
1: Uh Yes, I agree with uh, with UDM. Um, I was hoping that that game could have been a possible win. I just didn't um, looking at the. Uh, start of the game. I was quite surprised that the team was unchanged from the game against Reading. I didn't know whether that was to keep momentum or um, Tanya just didn't feel like a change was required in the formation. So I I wasn't sure whether there was any tiredness having just played three days before. Yeah, I don't know know how much of an impact that was. Um, But yeah, looking at the game, there was uh, two goals from both uh, Ramona Petzelberger and Shania Hales. I think one of the turning points for me was... The first Villa goal was when uh, Flo Allen just got outmaneuvered, um, uh which led to the first Villa goal by Petter
0: Yeah, I mean it was it was a really bad goal to concede, wasn't it? In terms of you know they putting pressure on us, and then we we kind of brought it in on ourselves that first goal, and it was yeah it was a really bad time to concede. Obviously in that first half we'd had quite a lot of possession, but without any any real shots on target which is you know a huge problem this season I mean we've we've got to you know if you if you have lots of possession fine and it can look you know quite nice in places but if you can't convert that into goals obviously that creates problems particularly if your opposition is scoring four goals against you so very very depressing and I think that terrible thing when we go down one goal can't get back up can't Fight back so if as every game that we've gone down first you know we, we lose we certainly don't draw which is about the best thing that can happen this season
1: and um another thing about the game uh, which was interesting to see was uh rich laverty who's well known across women's football on twitter uh after the reading game tweeted the fact that charlie Welland, after that game had m- made the same amount of wsl appearances as tony duggan and carly telford and now after after the uh, the Villa game and the West Ham game today, uh, which we'll go into later on, she's now surpassed those uh, those WSL legends in terms of WSL appearances.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think was a real clear um, standout for me about the Villa game was how Villa contained Ebony Salmon. Alicia Endow was fantastic in the Villa defence, and you know, probably the best defender against Ebony Salmon this season, and showed how that threat could be contained because she has great speed.
2: Yeah, she did a really good job and she made sure that Ebony Salmon was always, you know, there was always one in front, one behind and she was really quick as well. Ebony Salmon's quick but she was she was playing one step behind her and and was able to beat her to the ball a lot. But saying that, if you've got two players marking someone like Ebony Salmon, that should have a they should have a gap somewhere else for us to exploit. So, you know, fair enough if a team figures out someone like Ebony Salmon, they've got to do it, but they've got to have at least two players on her to stop her from being threatening at times three um, that should be leaving some massive gaps somewhere for somebody else to, to fill. And, uh, and, you know, as, as we saw with, uh, with our game against Reading, we can, other people can be involved, you know, it's it's not just Ebony Salmon scoring the goal. So it was a bit, it was a bit of a shame that, you know, Ebony was kind of like, you know, she was really taking one for the team during that game. You know, she was keeping those two occupied. They had to stay on her until we changed formation. She was occupying two people all the time you know it wasn't like oh one of them's got got her sorted so we'll just kind of leave it one-on-one there was someone with her all the time so yeah that should have really left big kind of exploitable gaps but we just didn't we just didn't manage to do it and then the formation change was really the was the end of it wasn't it just left us massively exposed. It meant to, you know, it was meant to provide extra support going forward, but it just left a gaping hole down the middle, really.
1: And as the commentary pointed out, uh, it was the team's first meeting between each other since the 5th of December 2018 when Bristol beat Aston Villa, who were then a championship team, 5 2 in the Conti Cup. Now, a- almost two years to the day, the two teams are now in the same division, but just on the pitch, we're still miles apart. Mm. Yeah, it was a
0: really disappointing game, to be honest. I think that I thought the Birmingham game, the Birmingham 4-0 was deeply and bitterly disappointing. And
1: that was, you know, even worse, I think. We did reach out to a villa fan to give their thoughts. However, um, for one reason or another, they, they haven't contributed to the episode. Probably uh they don't probably they they felt too sorry for us or felt too bad for us or didn't want to potentially glow to anything. And then
0: on Friday afternoon, there was the big news that Tanya Oxby is pregnant and um, I believe we'll be having her baby, her and her partner Alice Kempsky are pregnant and will be having their baby at the end of March because that was in the article by Tom Gary and there's a nice article in the Telegraph written by the um, journalist Tom Gary, which was... Uh, seem to indicate that it would be due
2: at the end of of march thank you so. thanks for the heads up dm yep yeah. <laughs> so knowledgeable about things like babies aren't you <laughs> yeah super knowledgeable absolutely <laughs> babies and cats uh who 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 find finds this news a surprise was anyone shocked to hear about that
1: i mean i did notice her codes were getting were covering up a lot more in in in, in the best possible way uh but yeah uh she tweeted a with the fact that um it, it wasn't possible to hide it anymore.
2: Yeah, no amount of uh, smart office wear jackets can can cover a baby bump. But there was also a little clue released just the other day, wasn't there? Did you notice that Tanya was talking about her team and she referred to them as a bundle of joy? Oh. Yeah. She was like, Oh, they've been they've been great after the Reading game. She was she referred to them as bundle of joy to be around which is you know obviously that's how you refer to babies not tons of women
1: (laughs) (laughs) well all of us here the vixen cast wish tanya and Alice uh all the best uh as they start a new family from from my point of view for for as long as i followed the women's game um the only other manager i could think of that was still working while pregnant and then returned soon after uh, the birth of their baby was emma hayes the chelsea manager Uh, so i don't know dm and have you ever seen any other football players or managers uh in your lifetime who've gone away on maternity leave
0: yeah i don't know i was thinking about emma hayes because she seemed to really not have any time off did she (laughs) she seemed to be incredibly pregnant and then she seemed to give birth and then she was basically back on the sidelines
2: with the baby yeah i Um, don't remember emma hayes having time off yeah it must have just been perfectly timed so that uh, it was just during, you know, just during the off season. I mean, players have maternity leave, don't they? Alex Morgan, she just returned from time off having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: So however, I, I think the NWSL, I don't think there was any games that were on at the time.
0: Yeah. So it would be interesting to see when she goes on maternity leave. So, um,
2: and Nat is our maternity leave expert at the moment, aren't you? Absolutely. I have many, many, many pregnant colleagues and they're all leaving work early at the moment 28 weeks rather than full term because uh because of covid restrictions a lot of the a lot of the guidelines say that you should be working from home rather than the workplace from 28 weeks so i think that's quite interesting i don't know if that will have any impact on tanya obviously she's quite vulnerable to um getting ill She's already had COVID. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what will happen now. I don't know if there's going to be like a maternity cover. Yeah, it's interesting. In in lots of other jobs, someone else just steps in to do it. But this is a bit of a strange one, isn't it?
1: One player that is definitely on maternity leave is the Vixen in disguise, Megan Alexander, who now plays for London Bees. Who tweeted uh, on the 11th of December that uh, Autumn Faith Elaine Bailey was born on the 7th of December. So congratulations to Megan and uh, her family.
0: I oh, love Meggie. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Congratulations, Maggie.
2: <laughs> Not that you're called Meggie. No, never called Meggie. But that's what we call you. Um, yeah. Well, it's, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's yeah. okay. Just makes us sound more like a cat.
0: And we know lots of cats called Meggie, don't we? Yeah, they?
2: loads. For yeah. some reason.
0: <laughs> cats, babies, dogs. So that was the big news. And then the other news was about Twerton Park, wasn't it? With the regulations.
1: Yes, there was DM. Uh, so on Tuesday, um, the football club uh, confirmed that uh, fans were no, not able to return until the new year, despite Bath being in Tier Two. The, st- the reason they gave in their statement was um, Bristol City Women recognised that most of their fans were from the Bristol North Somerset and South Gl- Gloucestershire areas, which are in Tier Three. Um, I don't know about you two, but for me, seeing this at the time, I f- I felt this was a missed opportunity to welcome the new supporters who live in the Bath area, as well as the existing supporters that we know who are also in the Bath area. However, um, due to further information being released during the week, Bath City announced on Saturday the 12th of December that uh, fans were not able to return for to Twerton Park for their own games uh, this month. Uh, this was due to uh, instructions by the Bath and North East Somerset Safety Advisory Group now, looking at the statement here, uh, which is available on the Bath uh, City website, and we've tweeted it as well, um, uh, there was a meeting that was meant to happen between the safety advisory group, the SAG, and the football club on Thursday, the 10th of December. However, uh, the people of the SAG requested that there be a, a site inspection, which wouldn't be able to take place until Tuesday, the 15th of December. Now, from a City Women point of view, that meant that the remaining home games couldn't have fans and Bath's next home game on Tuesday the 15th couldn't have any fans either. So Bath just releasing more information as to why Bristol couldn't have any, uh, or Bath Lamar couldn't have any fans of their games.
0: And hopefully we can get back to the games in the new year because you were saying today, weren't you Nat, that it was, it's really not fun watching the matches on TV and watching us getting beaten so horribly.
2: I, I think so, yeah. There's something about if you're at the games, getting absolutely walloped you'd all have that kind of ah we're all getting walloped you'd still be able to have a sing and you know get annoyed at rachel Daly being just horrible i hate her now um yeah you know you could have some fun with that it's a bit of pantomime isn't it she's the new joe potter um for me you know just love to boo her you know joe potter um the ex where she played played for birmingham that's when she was most hateable Um, she's actually, actually all right no, she's fine. No, she's she's absolutely fine, but you she, took you took against her, didn't you? She just took on the role of villain very well. I remember booing her and she looked over and smiled. And I thought, I'm gonna carry on doing that. This is great fun. <laughs> and
0: then she played for Reading
2: as well. So Yeah, and then I didn't really feel like booing her so much. But she's actually pretty, you know she's brilliant. very, very she's very ap- good. Ap- I would very <laughs> nicely <absolutely laughs> kill for a, a Joe a Joe Potter. You got your Joe Potters. Yeah. There's just one. I'd love her on our team. because She's mean. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Rachel Daly, boo.
0: Yeah, she um, was rubbish today, actually. But anyway, let's get on to that. Well, she wasn't. She was good. She scored a goal, but she was, yeah. She was anyway, I, I
2: prefer to be there rather than sitting. Not that you're not lovely, DM, but I'd rather be at the game with the fans or just not bother. Because on telly, it is horrible to watch, isn't it? It's just horrible watching a 4-0 defeat over and over again. It's just no fun, not enjoying it at all. So, yeah, be quite keen to get back.
1: We are now moving on to talk about today's game between Bristol City and West Ham. This was the team's first meeting against each other since the end of the 2018 and 2019 season. Both teams did not play each other once at all that season due to fixture postponements due to bad weather and the subsequent pandemic. Uh, West Ham still currently do not have a manager after... Mad Bear left the club by mutual consent. So Billy Stewart was in, was in temporary charge once again. Bristol made three changes to the squad today. Uh, Harrison, uh, uh, Abby Harrison, Laura Rafferty, and Faye Bryson all came in for Ebony Salmon, Naomi Lazer, and Charlie Wennings, respectively. Uh, in the pre match interview, um, Tanya said that uh, Charlie Wennings and Ebony Salmon were arrested after putting in uh, quite long, strong performances over the last few games. It just needed some rest. And then can be brought on if available. And Tanya also mentioned that uh, Jas Matthews is still out uh, with due to concussion protocol. Chloe De Garza is due to return to non-contact training sh- next week, and um, and Amy Palmer is due to return to training soon.
0: Yeah, so they, they, that's good news, isn't it? That yeah, so and Palmer
1: um, will be back. And one thing I did notice t- in today's game and Wednesday's game was uh, yeah, Tanya was no longer sitting up looking down, observing the game. She was actually on the dugout. It was another difficult game for
0: us. Well, I didn't go into it with any hope, so it hasn't hurt as much as as Wednesday's match. So I kind of sat down and was just like, I don't have any expectations of us getting anything. So if anything happens, I'll be pleasantly surprised. It's another 4-0 defeat at home. It's another 4-0 defeat at home. What do yeah. you say? Yeah, I um, that's all you can say, isn't
1: it? Well, at first, um, the first goal was a... Uh, it bounced off Gemma Perfield and yeah, we, we were 1-0 down after a 10-minute own goal. So that was not the start anyone was expecting. I don't know about you two, DM, but I was screaming with joy when I thought Gemma Evans had equalised three minutes later, only for it to be ruled up offside.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if it was offside, who knows, probably was, but yeah, massive shame. Massive shame, lovely ball in from Ella on the free kick and then, yeah, it was offside. Rotten luck.
1: You mentioned Ella, uh, the maestro, uh, who got booked after a challenge on Rachel Daly. And I don't know about you two, but I thought she won the ball in that challenge on the 30th minute. So I'm not sure why she got booked.
2: I think, um, yeah, she, she. I thought she got the ball as well. And this is what, the, what started me booing Rachel Daly. But yeah, I actually, that was one of my highlights, actually, the Ella booking. Not because she got booked, but because she just looked so annoyed about everything. And it just uh, it was great um another person who yeah Chloe Legazo kind of got really really annoyed at another game uh, fairly recently and I just think actually do you know what? I want to see them getting really really annoyed um it's just a bit of passion isn't it it's just I mean I'm not I don't care about like the passion I just like I just want to see someone get really you know rather than just going oh well heads down just like no actually you won the ball she's on the floor rolling around and then they're messing about with the free kick um, so yeah, just yeah, I was I enjoyed I enjoyed that booking. That was a good that was a real highlight for me. That was that kept me watching for another ten minutes and then um and then it all faded away. There was a few other bookings though. Grace Fisk. No. She didn't get booked. No,
0: she didn't get booked, but she had a bit of a yeah, there was a few moments when it was a bit they were trying to uh, you know, ruffle us up and but yeah, it was it was a really oh uh, just I just feel really disappointed. I've, I've taken loads of notes about the game and what happened, but it's there was long periods where nothing happened. And in the second half, just West Ham had corner after corner after corner and obviously scored three goals. That's a real problem that we've got in the second half. Our second half performances are obviously a big problem, particularly at home. We seem to tire, seem to score. Sorry, we don't seem to score. Um, we concede heavily. Um, and in succession, there's not enough shots. We just need to shoot. We won't score if we don't shoot. I, don't know, I just don't really have anything anything good to say, to be honest. Uh,
1: so um, one of the things I, I, um, I mentioned earlier was the fact that Ebony Salmon did not start the game today. And uh, looking at the Twitter response, uh, when we tweeted about that, um, Duncan Gardner tweeted us saying, Ebony Salmon should have started. If she needed a rest, then do so against Manu, which is our next game next week, where there was less chance of picking up points. Do um, you think she should have started today?
0: I can understand why she didn't start today um, more than, you know, on Wednesday, like when she did start. I think she, she had a very difficult game on Wednesday and she was frustrated. And I think when we do play Harrison, what it tends to do, um, and you can see it, it happens only for short periods of time, we have more of a of a midfield. I feel like there's less of a gap between the two lines of like midfield and defence when we play Harrison because Harrison isn't as quick, so the midfield needs to be pushed further up. But when ha- when Salmon is on the pitch, there's such a a kind of default to lumping it up the pitch to her and just like knowing that she'll like run and you know really quickly that the the, the gap between Salmon and the midfield is, is much greater. I, In a way I kind of prefer it when there's, you know, more of a kind of continuity between the defense and the midfield, because when teams, when we lose, when we start losing in that formation, what I think, what I see happening anyway, is the, the banks of four getting pushed further and further back. And it just sort of, you know, we just look like we've kind of been pushed into a corner so so yeah, in terms of the the overall game, I couldn't understand why she played Sam um, Harrison today. Um, just because, you know, maybe she needed to do something a bit different. The squad is is tired. You can't necessarily always, you know, go full pelt, full tilt all the time.
1: This was Faye Bryson's first start since the return from injury. And I don't know about you, DM and that, but I think she impressed quite a lot, like she, her impact was deeply felt like I could see her like running down like the side of the pitch you know heading towards like West Ham's goal and send us chances and I think for me she used to pair stood out stood out today
2: yeah I think she played really well it was nice to see her back I think the the few kind of shorter appearances she's made she looked she still looked she looked quite rusty after coming back from injury but I did think she looked good today though in the first half especially there were a few times when she had a bit of space and she managed to kind of Beat people and get crosses and stuff like that so hopefully she'll be able to do that because that's kind of how I remember her last season she when she came in part way through the season she made a huge impact and it would be really nice to see kind of her and Perfield being able to do that in tandem up and down the left and right wing I just don't think it's kind of it's just not working at the moment because I do think those two are really really good players and and they should be able to have a quite a big impact on the game but it's just, it's not it's not working yet.
1: Speaking of things not working, uh, looking at our Twitter comments, uh, Charlie, one of our followers, has tweeted back saying, I hate to say it, but I think maybe a change in management is required as it's clearly not working the way it is. If they want us to stay up, then they need to invest more and a big shakeup needs to happen and happen fast. Uh, Duncan uh, Garner, who I mentioned earlier, also tweeted some the things saying, something drastic needs to change. Manager, better players, more investment, all three. Again, the players—they clearly given it their all, and maybe in, in hindsight, like it probably was best that the fans were not theirs to not win this those results this week.
0: I would hope that you know the presence of fans could make a difference and cheer them on and give them the much needed support that they deserve because the effort is there. Sort of, of, you know, I'm not criticizing the players at all, but like. They're demoralised. They're absolutely demoralised. You can see that, and it's completely understandable. I mean, I woke up on Thursday morning feeling utterly dejected. I could only imagine the pain that they felt on Thursday after that performance and the result. So, how do you pick yourself up from that?
1: Mm. You know? And it's good for the me. It's, it's good for the player interviews or the interviews like the club clubly saying. Oh, we go on, we move on. It's a math and loss win, but there's so many chances, there's so many times you can use that as an excuse. We're will we coming to the end of December 2020, other than Manu and Brighton. We've played all the WSL teams once and we haven't beaten any of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. And um, you know, we're coming to the end of December and we're not there yet. We've got one, we've got <laughs> Man United next week who are top of the league. And that is a really terrifying, terrifying thought. It's, um, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And you could say, you know, I know that the message has been, we've been in this position before we were in this position last year and we, we picked up after new year. I just think it's a different, it's a different ball game this season, isn't it? Um. So yeah, in terms of what needs to change, sure. We need investment, you know, maybe there needs to be a change of management. I kind of scratching my head and thinking, you know, is it that this particular group of players has been coached in a particular way? So, you know consistently over time that they they can't adapt and play in a different way one thing is absolutely clear is that bristol are they're going to be missing out in the the growth of the women's game the lack of investment if it is just a case of we need more players we need better players and um, more more variety of players to come in then you know the 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 people in charge of of bristol sport and the the chairmans and um
1: Stephen Lansdowne, who owns Bristol Sport, but his son, John Lansdowne, is the chairman of Bristol City. Um, I don't know what involvement he has specifically in the Bristol City Women Board. I I, I, didn't, I I assume Lee Billiard does report up to someone else. Whoever that someone else is, it's not publicly made available.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's something we could we could do a bit more investigation into. Let's face it, compared to the men's game, the investment that would be required to boost the women's team would be yeah you know, minimal in comparison and the potential rewards are you know many if we see women's football is on the cusp of, of becoming hugely profitable in you know next year in the next few years it's quite short sighted to keep a you know if we're going to talk about it in brute asset based terms if you keep an asset but stop you know ref- you refuse to to actually properly invest in it um, at a time when the whole sector is going to take off it's uh it's a massive shame so I mean I don't know I don't know what's going to happen and the thing that actually worries me the most with all of this is that you know it's quite clear we're going to get relegated this season unless there's a, a miracle but what's going to happen next season the last time we got relegated to the second tier there was a strong commitment from the club to get us back into the top tier and at that time I think the 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 second division was it was you know semi professional and we were professional so we had a competitive advantage over many of the clubs in that league because we were training full time and we were just fitter and we kind of beat the teams on the basis of that i imagine they'll probably keep the investment around the same level so it's possible that we will go back we could go back and and get promoted back quickly but we don't know because the the it just seems like in a in a terrible state
2: I, it's it's very hard to know. I think look how we've played against the championship teams. We've we've seen, haven't we, throughout the Conti Cup? We've played only championship teams in the Conti Cup. So I think it's you know it's I think we'd be pretty good in the championship and be not good enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it would depend on what players well, leave at the end of the season, what players we get at the end of the season. However. Uh, before that, uh, the, the transfer window does open again in January, so it will be interesting to see what happens then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think when the transfer window closed, I think, you know, Lee did say that that's what they'd be focusing on is, is recruitment for this, you know, next transfer window. But is it too little, too late? Because you know, everybody else is going to be um, recruiting as well. So it's it's a very it's a really difficult position that we're in and it's it's very hard it's a very hard it's it's not it's not good the feeling is not good yeah i hope the the people in charge take a look at this seriously and think we've got to put our hands in our pockets and invest
1: we'll still be here to cover all the games and go to watch all the games hopefully so
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah we'll we'll still be here but you have to wonder like what about the rest of the fan base i i just I really wonder, you know, if, if you're, you know, Nat, if you're watching this and thinking, I can't handle watching this on the telly and, you know, this very exposed product that's being presented in in the in- intimacy of your own home, if if you're so dejected and um, kind of dissatisfied with watching that, imagine just the casual fan, you know, their, their sort of feelings. Are they going to be prepared to, you know, traipse down to Twerton Park? And I don't know, it's difficult. So yeah, we'll be there watching the championship and reporting on it because nobody else reports on it. So we'll be needed even more than ever.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So <laughs> Well, um, moving hopefully that future won't happen. I mean, we just got to focus on the now uh, as such if we can. Um, but yeah, looking at looking at looking at the WSL table after the West Ham's win, they are now uh, tenth on seven points um, above Aston Villa, who are eleventh with six points. Villa lost 3-1 to Spurs today. And Bristol City are now uh, still bottom with two points from nine games.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. And we
1: have Man United, who are top of the WSL, who beat... Um... Oh, yeah, so they beat Villa today. That's Maybe. our next game.
0: <laughs> yeah, they beat Reading. Exactly. We've got Man United next. So, uh, at Man did. At- I mean, who
1: knows? Maybe we could end the year in the same way that we did by beating them one nil at the Sports Village.
0: Well, do you know what? That would be the most wonderful Christmas present. And you know, please, please do that, team. And you know, <laughs> please,
2: yeah, just do that. Please. Do that one That's nil. All we want, yeah, one nil. Yeah, uh, Sophie Bagley having possession of the ball for at least thirty out of the ninety minutes, <laughs> um, and an Ebony Salmon goal.
0: And now blowing the biggest bubble you've ever seen in your life is Ali Coker, who is a West Ham super fan, and they're going to give us their thoughts on the game.
3: Hi, this is Ali from We Are The Girls In Claret and Blue, where I'm the co-host and co-creator. Here to talk about the game that's just happened between Bristol and West Ham. From a West Ham perspective, it was a great game. We did came and did what we meant to do. We got the goals, we got the win, we got the points. It wasn't a brilliant performance. It wasn't a beautiful performance, but it was the performance that we needed. Um, I think it's clear to see that since Matt has left, that West Ham have sort of gelled together. I don't know if that is directly because of him leaving or that the girls have decided that they need to kick their butts into gear for the new manager, whoever he or she may be um we were very lucky with the first goal um it was scrappy and to be honest you were unlucky that it came off of one of your players in terms of um our other three goals they were coming i think we our game plan was to hold you back in the first half and tie you out for us to then take you on in the second half which as you can see with the three goals that came quite quickly Also, I think changing to a more experienced midfield by bringing Daly on definitely helped us um, get the three points. It now means that we are climbing up the tables. We've managed to leapfrog Aston Villa, who are our next opposition. I think you guys played well. Um, There was definitely some argy-bargy going on between uh, Daniels and um, Daly. But over and all, I think if you hadn't gone the one nil down... In the first half you may have been able to give us a bit more of a game but we managed to break you down for in terms of our season i'm hoping that kicks us on to something a bit more productive a bit more positive than it has been like i said we've got aston villa next so hopefully we can take a win from there into the new year as we do face manchester city as the first game um back but yeah, um if you're at all interested in west ham I do a show weekly with my co-host Reese called We Are The Girls In Claret and Blue on the American Hammers Network. And that's all about the West Ham women. You can also find me um, on Twitter as We Are The Girls In Claret and Blue. And my personal Twitter, which is Axel's Girl, where I talk about all things West Ham. I also write for Since 71, where I do match reports and other opinion pieces. And if you can't tell, I'm very opinionated. So be sure to check those out if you uh, fancy it. But uh, good luck for the rest of your season.
0: So finishing up this really um, positive and exuberant episode of the Bristol City Vixen cast, Shahan, you had a few corrections, didn't you, that you wanted to make?
1: Yes, I did, DM. Uh, So after listening back to our last episode, uh, I realised I said some things which were not factually accurate. Uh, So the first thing I I want to correct was the statement I made about fans and supporters giving Lauren Dykes a card earlier in 2020 after making 100 WSL appearances. That card was actually, in fact, due to Lauren being received in the MBE in the New Year's Honours list. So I do apologise for getting that wrong. Other thing I wish to make a correction on was when we were discussing the retirement of Annie Heverson, how I said I never got to see her play live. Uh, now, soon after listening to that episode, I remember the fact that I attended Bristol Academy's first game in the Champions League against Energia of Rajne, if that's how you pronounce the name, in 2011. And I decided to look up the match report online once again. And it turns out Anne Heverson did play in that game. Reminding
0: us of much happier times <laughs> of a Champions League appearance. So. You, oh, wow. Yeah. Imagine that, <laughs> listeners. Okay, so you've been listening to the Bristol City Vixen cast episode 12? 12. 12. Yeah.
2: That's two. You held up two
0: fingers then. I did hold up two fingers. (laughs) Um, Congratulations if you got to the end because this was pretty pretty sad, wasn't it? It was a sad one. Yeah. But it would be really lovely if other Bristol fans wanted to come on and talk about how they're feeling. You're really welcome to. You know, if you want to... Come and share share your share your thoughts and you know ideas uh, of, mm-hmm. of of how to you know deal with this situation that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. You'd be you'd be very much welcome. So please do get in touch.
1: And speaking of the fan interaction, uh, looking at our Twitter account, when we tweeted earlier that Rachel Daly had made the freedom to West Ham, that tweet got liked by Lu- Louise Daly, Rachel Daly's mum.
0: Well, there we go. You know. <laughs> Someone's uh, at least a mother loves her. So. Ah,
1: boo. <laughs> 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 yeah. So we'll be back next week uh, to to discuss what happens in the Manchester United game. Oh, that could that's a that's a tough six pointers in Uh
0: Yeah, definitely, <laughs> absolutely a six pointer. So. And we promise we'll try and be a bit more upbeat. Absolutely. And certainly from
1: my perspective, I'm going to try and be a bit more. Yeah.
2: Bit okay. More, Maybe we more should like have a bit of a like scream and a yell before we do this. Yeah. You know, like just a bit more energy.
1: And uh, one more thing before we go. I want us all in the in the podcast to join the rest of the women's football community. Uh, wishing Jen Beattie all the best uh, as she is going through her battle with breast cancer. Uh, Jen Beattie, who plays for Arsenal and Scotland, made the news public this week in an interview on Football Focus. and uh, not facing chemotherapy but it's due to face uh, radiotherapy and it was a nice tribute from both arsenal and man city to wear her name and number on the back of their warm-up shirts for today's game you've been listening to the bristol city vixen cast uh music was by annie gardiner editing was by dm withers the artwork uh, was by Mir, and the 46th president of the united states will hopefully be nat brown and keep supporting women's
2: football (laughs)